You're listening to Eastridge FM, a podcast for Christian families in a modern world. Eastridge FM is a ministry of the Eastridge Church of Christ in Rockwall, Texas. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Smith. Welcome to the family. Hello, I want to welcome you into the first ever podcast episode for Eastridge FM. Um, this is the podcast for the Family Life Ministry uh, of the Eastridge Church of Christ. I am your host, Dr. Ryan Smith. Um, I want to talk, before we get into the content for today, I wanted to talk for just a second about, about the origins of what you're listening to and, and why we're sending it to you now. Um, a few months ago, I had the idea uh, here at Eastridge to create a podcast that specifically spoke to um, family growth and the family experience for Christian families in our current culture. Um, a podcast seemed like a good way to do that because as every church is doing in this culture, we're trying to reach people um, in a more uh, convenient way than just once a week in person. So we wanted to reach you in your car and in your home, in your kitchen, um, you know, in your earbuds while you're working out and walking. Uh, we thought this would be a good opportunity to do that and a good way to do that. And so my hope and vision for this podcast is to bring you um, family material. So content that is designed specifically to help you grow a Christian family in this current culture. Um, however, we had to expedite that. And the reason we had to expedite it is uh, our culture is going through a, a challenge and something that is a bit strange um, that we've never experienced before. And what we're, what we're having to, to deal with right now is the reality of social distancing and isolation due to the scare of the coronavirus. Uh, today is March 21st, 2020. Um, if you can hear the sound of my voice, uh, you are being affected by the current state of our culture. Um, as a result of this social isolation and social distancing, um, we decided to kind of rush out uh, this particular podcast. And the reason for that is simple. You're going to be at home a lot right now, and probably more so than normal. And so our idea to have content that reaches you on a marital level and on a family level, I think is probably more applicable right now than it, than it was a month ago or two months ago. Um, so welcome in. Uh, I am anxious to get started, and I think when we get into the content today, you will find out why I'm not only anxious to get started, but I'm super curious as to how it's going to go. Um, but let me start with the platform for our conversation today. Um, I wanted to give you uh, if you were in the chapel class, uh, which is the class that I teach on Sunday mornings, or if you've been in the family life class, which is the family class that I teach on Wednesday nights, the content for today is not going to be new to you. Uh, it'll be review because this is, I called this on uh, our Wednesday night class, I called this the most important thing I can tell families. Um, that's true of, of the content, but I wanted to take a slightly different approach to it today. But before we get into the approach, I want to start by just explaining the content. So um, I want to start with a verse that you are probably familiar with. Uh, it has been used in weddings um, for at least, you know, a couple thousand years now. Um, it has been used, it's on coffee mugs. Uh, it's on all kinds of things, and that is 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, you may know this as the love is passage. Uh, I want to start by reading the passage and then explain why this is our, our, our anchor passage for this morning's lesson. Uh, so I'm starting in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm reading from the ESV. Uh, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. 
It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Um, If you are struggling today with this culture that we're in, with the social distancing that we're having to practice, um, if you're listening to this uh, a year from now, two years from now, uh, I want to remind you that we've shut down sports. We've shut down movie theaters. We've shut down malls. Um, Our normal day-to-day life is just completely upended. And I wanted to start with the love is passage this morning because there are a lot of words that you're going to need to really contemplate as you consider an extended period of time at home with your nuclear family. Uh, Patience and kindness, um, not being rude, not insisting on your own way, not being irritable or resentful. Those words jumped out to me. Uh, Not rejoicing in wrongdoing, believing all things, hoping all things, and enduring all things. I don't know that we've ever been at a time um, culturally where these words were more applicable than they are today. Uh, Now, in terms of our our marriage content, um, there's an easy way, or at least a simple way. I don't know how easy it is to apply, but it's a simple idea. Uh, The idea that I wanted to offer you is a a way to implement a lot of those words all at the same time, a way to, to offer Um, patience and kindness and to not be rude and to be uh, all those good things that we just talked about, right? So I I gave you a lot of love is words and and the the Bible gives us a high bar for how we're supposed to treat each other. A way that we can do that, a simple way that we can approach this idea is if we understand the concept of bids for attention. Now, if you are in the therapeutic world, this is a concept developed out of the research of a guy named John Gottman. Uh, If you research bids for attention and John Gottman, you'll get more reading material than you could possibly imagine. But today, I'm going to give you the nickel and dime version of it, and then I'm going to have a conversation with um, a special guest host uh, about what this looks like in our families. Um, So the idea is basically this. Bids for attention are attempts to start a conversation, attempts to be acknowledged, uh, to be acknowledged, to be seen, to be heard. There are moments where we give our spouse the opportunity to treat us like we matter. Bids for attention can be thoughts or feelings or observations or opinions or invitations. They can be verbal or nonverbal. They can be as simple as how was your day or what do you want for dinner? Uh, They can be complex, as complex as a facial expression, um, as complex as a a certain sound that you make that's not really, uh, there's not really words behind it, but your spouse understands what they mean. Um, Bids for attention are literally the hundred different ways in the course of a day-to-day life that you and your spouse attempt to connect to each other. There are moments where you walk in with a thought. It's moments where, where your wife walks in the room and says, uh, hey, what's, what are you watching? Um, it's moments where a husband walks in the room and says, did I hear my phone? Um, it's moments where a kid walks in the room and says, I'm bored. Um, literally any attempt, be it verbal or nonverbal, for a family member to get the attention of another family member, um, that's a bid for attention. And what we want to try to do is we want to consider the different ways in which we respond to those bids for attention. So there are three different ways that that we can respond. We can either turn turn towards our family member. Uh, This is the ideal way to do this. Turning towards our family member means when they give us these little small moments, we make eye contact. It means that we 
um, that we respond appropriately. It means that we, we show an interest. It means that we carry on the conversation. We continue the conversation. Our spouse says, how was your day? And we look at her and we actually answer the question with more than just fine, or it was a day, or it was a normal day. It's where we actually engage. Um, so we want to turn towards our, our family members. That's the ideal way to do it. Another, another approach, another way that we can respond to a bid is less than ideal. We can turn away from our spouse, and that means we're dismissive of the thought. We're dismissive of uh, the bid. So somebody walks in the room, a, a child walks in the room and says, um, I'm bored. And you respond with, oh, that's too bad. And then you turn away. Um, that's turning away from your child. That's turning away from a kid in that moment. Your wife walks in and says, um, hey, what's on TV? And you don't want to answer that question, so you don't. Or you're watching a movie and she says, now who's that guy? Uh, and you don't respond to that question. That is turning away from your spouse. The third thing that you can do, the third option is to turn against your spouse. And that is where you're not just dismissive of the bid for attention, um, you are directly um, defiant against it, or you directly attack your partner for even having the thought. So how was your day? And the response is, what do you care how my day was? That's turning against your spouse. So it's, it's something where there's animosity behind it. There's ill feelings behind it. Now, here's why we're talking about these three different ways to turn towards our spouse. Um, you can probably read in the bio, uh, and those of you who know me know my background, but for those of you who don't, um, I'm a marriage and family therapist, and I work every day with couples in distress, and I work every day with couples who aren't necessarily in distress, but they're dealing with change, some sort of a change in their life. How you respond in these small moments is the most impactful uh, thing that your spouse is going to consider when I ask the question, are you happy in your marriage? They're not thinking about Disney World. They're not thinking about big trips. They're not thinking about the big grand gestures or the flowers that you brought home. They're thinking about the way you talk to them on a day-to-day -day basis. They're thinking about whether or not you view them as a nuisance, whether you view them as, as a problem. How you show your spouse, I care about you. I'm interested in you. I love you. I, I show you patience. I show you kindness. All of those words that we got out of 1 Corinthians 13. The way you show your family members that those words are true for you is how you respond to these little bitty isolated moments. So that is the concept we're going to be exploring today. Now, I've given you an introduction as to what we're talking about, um, but I brought in a, uh, what did I bring in? I brought in an expert in this conversation to help me have this conversation with you. So who, who did I bring in? Rather than bring in a, uh, another minister or bring in another therapist who can speak in clinicies about how these things look, instead, I brought in my wife. So... <laughs> April, would you like to introduce yourself and say hello to the people who might be listening? Ah, yes. Hello, my name is April, and I have been blessed to be a part of Ryan Smith's life for almost 20 years now. You have now. been blessed. I have been. You were a gamble, too. That's true. We'll get to that <laughs> later. Uh, I will tell you that, yes, your prospecting skills clearly uh, are notable. Yeah. All right. So I brought my wife in to have this conversation. Um, the reason I brought her in is primarily because... Well, you and Alan were going to talk about this. Right. I thought that was going to be good, though. Yeah, Alan's too, funny. I know he's entertaining he's and he's smart. And I like Alan, but... Two men talking about bids for attention. Well, and here was the problem. The problem was I did feel like that was going to kind of weight the conversation in one direction. A little bit. Not just two husbands, but two minister husbands. Yeah. Yeah. The, and y'all both think you're really funny. 
What? Think. <laughs> Hold on. Yes, you're right. We do. We do. We do share a, a gift uh, for whatever you just described. <laughs> So, yeah, so I decided to bring my wife into the conversation, um, mainly so the people who have heard me talk about her know that I really do have to deal with this on a regular basis, uh, and also so she can help give me a wife perspective. So, um, April, right out of the gate, you've heard me describe bids for attention. Um, you've heard me describe, this is something you and I have talked about, right. uh, actually fairly regularly. I want to start by just open-ended. Give me your thoughts and feedback on what you've heard. Well, one of the things that really struck me when you were talking about the bids for attention and those day-to-day things is the fact that a lot of times those bid those bids for attention and whether or not you turn to or away your spouse is a lot of times based on the circumstances that that bid is presented in. And I know right now, you know, you inter- you started the podcast about this coronavirus and how we're all socially isolated and, you know, it can be a little stressful right now. And I immediately thought about the moms and you know, other people at home that are having to, without making the choice, having the choice placed upon them that they are now going to homeschool. Mm. They are not going to go into work. Their spouse is going to stay home. And so their regular routine has been totally upended. It's very stressful. And so bids for attention that come in right now are going to be jaded by a blanket of stress and uncertainty. And so you have to be aware that you're still going to get those bids for attention, but how you respond in the bid for attention has to be a little more thoughtful. You have to understand, okay, I'm stressed right now. I don't need to take this out on my husband just because he's asked me a stop. No, that's true. (laughs) I could not agree with that statement more. So hold on. I, I think you're touching on something that is incredibly powerful, but do me a favor. So, so that you can help explain to us men, um, you just described, uh, so a mom who has had her kids thrust back at home and, and you mentioned a, a lot of moms make the homeschooling choice, but parents in this culture didn't choose it. It was chosen well, no, for when, them. when you and I chose to homeschool, it was six right. months of planning and Thinking, curriculum praying. and scheduling. Yes. And so right that first day we withdrew Stockton from public school, I was so insane, insanely stressed for months. Right. Um, because it was this different thing, but we chose it. And so right now my heart really goes out to these families that really in, were fine, you know, and loved the public school system. Their kids loved school, they were thriving. And then all of a sudden that is cut and they are coming home and they need to learn online and yeah. you are the teacher. That is incredibly stressful. So talk to me then about what that internal experience is like for a wife. Cause here's the thing I'm asking, I'm asking both husbands and wives in this conversation, I'm asking them to respond to bids for attention by turning towards each other, by asking them to show patience and kindness, those, those words that we use from 1 Corinthians. Talk to me before we can even talk about that part, about the actual responding part, we need to consider what's internally going on inside each one of us right now. So talk to me about your perspective on I um, think, that mom that you just okay. described. I think from a wife's perspective and really just women in our culture in general, we have a resting anxiety rate that's humming a little higher than our husbands. And I think it is really important for wives in this time to be open and honest with their husbands and say, this is stressing me out or be open and honest with their friends and family and say like it's really hard having my kids home all of a sudden okay because you sound you almost feel guilty for saying that 
because everyone else is like, well, this is such a blessing and you're going to have so much fun with your kids. And it's like, no, I really enjoyed them being at school. Right. Okay. So you just said that you want wives to go tell their husbands that they're stressed out and to tell their husbands that this is really hard, right? Am I understanding that? Yes. To just be honest, but the husbands be able to be like, eh, don't not, not respond with like, eh, it'll be fine. So I was going to speak to that. So you, you want wives to to say, to be open and honest about what they're struggling with right now. I want husbands to not say, well, there's nothing we can do about it because us as men, there's a, there's a truth about us. If we can't fix it, we just want to pretend it's not really happening. Right. We are fixers. We are, we, if you come to us with a problem immediately, we're thinking, who do I punch? Who do I call? What do I, you know, what do I do? Right. What's the tool that I need to go fix this problem that you've presented me with? Right. There's no, there's no fix for this. And right. so, well, so we're going to be inclined. And I think as men, we're going to be far more inclined because we're men. We're going to be far more inclined to say, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Let's just make the best of it. And that is actually weirdly fairly sound, but a super insensitive thing to say. Well, because all it does is it throws everything back in our court to say like, well, the problem is resting in me that I'm worried about it, Mm. that I'm the problem. I'm overreacting. I'm stressed out about something. And all that really does is create in a sense of me, a defensiveness and wanting to build a wall that says, okay, I need to go to my friends now because my friends are stressed out and they're going to validate that feeling. <laughs> Stop laughing. That's good. Yeah, no, you're, you should get away out with your friends. So. I can't. <laughs> no, I know. I know we're social distancing. Oh, you can FaceTime them. So, no, it is interesting because, look, I, I, what I just heard you say, and again, I, I, I laughed at it because of how accurate it is, and that is truly the reason I laughed, but I wanted to make sure that, that – I, I want to make sure that husbands and wives, hopefully our East Ridge husbands and wives are going to listen to this, this, to this together. Um, I don't know whether they're, the husbands are hoping I'm about to defend them or whether, <laughs> whether I'm going to talk to them. But I want to make sure that they have heard you say that if they come to husbands and they say, if wives do exactly what you just described and they say, I'm stressed, I don't, the kids being home, yes, it's a blessing. And I'm air quoting, bless. it's a blessing. And it mm-hmm. is, it is, but... It's super stressful. Yeah. I want to hear you. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm repeating. If husbands are dismissive of that, if we don't turn towards our spouse in that moment, you feel like what you just were told is that you're the problem. Yeah, that we're worried about nothing and we just need to accept it and move on. Um, but it's something that I think for women, we need to feel heard and validated and someone to jump on our bandwagon with it. And I think a lot of times that's why we do go to our friends or to our social media for that validation, because a lot of times it's presented to our husbands and because they can't fix it, they're going to dismiss it. Cause other, I know other husbands, can't other fix husbands, it. not, not right. you. No, I just fix it. That's what but I, mean. I know even we have, you know, we run a preschool up here at Eastridge and I know that has had to shut down. And for a lot of moms, with little kids at home and that is in the thick of it that is the hard stage it was twice a week four hours that they could clean their house go grocery shopping take a shower you know that they could just breathe a little bit and that has been taken away from them and it's stressful because it was their normal and they liked it and their kids liked it they could go get their energy out and now especially because it's been raining for like 
10 I years. Know, that was the worst. It's really hard to get the kids outside. On and the so, first week of this like quarantine thing. Yeah. And yeah. I know even just speaking on our family, sometimes it is easier when you've been working a lot and I'm just in charge of the routines and the dinner and stuff at home. And I don't have to like count your opinion What for me to what? just rock and roll and here we go but now even with this quarantine stuff you've been home more so i've had to be like oh you want lunch too well you yeah. have an opinion about bedtime okay, too hold on. and in so i defense, have to like i do a lot of counseling but it's just in the other room video counseling now yeah but then you're like coming out and like so what do y'all want to do and i'm like well there's laundry to be done and there's because i think it's just a different way of looking at it you know men are fixers and women we right. want to do stuff to fix it so i think we're both driving for a solution but men are like eh, it's like the weather just sit back and accept it and for we women we want to prep for it we want to get our umbrellas out and get the galoshes and how are we going to make the best of the rain okay so man perspective right no i i, I agree man, with everything <laughs> man's perspective uh, yes i agree with everything you were saying but but man perspective on there's a different issue too um, so you're talking about wives um, being open and honest with husbands, and I'm and I'm telling husbands that they need to be careful how they respond in those moments. And, right. and for the record, I, we've been speaking philosophically. Let me just say directly, husbands, the way to respond to that is to say, I understand, or, or, or to say, I hear what you're saying, and then repeat back something that she said. So if she said, it, it feels really overwhelming, I've got kids, I've got whatever, um, something that... Um, Something that I always encourage husbands to say to wives is, um, I can't imagine. Uh, I can't imagine how stressful this is. What can I do to help? And then let her guide the conversation on how you can be um, helpful. I, I don't necessarily encourage a lot of husbands to try and figure that out on their own. Do no, you agree and with that? Well, and I think that's where wives, if your husband is going to turn towards you in that bid for attention, when, you're, when you walk in the room and just go, oh, this is dressing me out. That was your bid for attention. Your husband to respond in that way that Ryan you're saying, which is positive mm -hmm. and you know, the active listening and what can I do? Wives, that is your opportunity because you're not gonna get a lot of them, but that is your opportunity to say, it would be great if from four to five every day, I could just go to the room, yeah. go to our room, shut the door, let me shower, let me have one hour of quiet where no one needs me. Well, but you have to actually tell your husband yeah what they can do to help give us a job we're we're better at that and and i maybe that's a flaw i feel like it's a it's a design feature not a design flaw right that you give us a task and tell us clearly what you want from us yeah we're better at that yeah that's way easier and i will say one thing that has helped me with my stress and anxiety level when we are facing big times of change or a lot of things going on at home is if i can tell you i need to do these five or six things once i've said them out loud it's almost mm. like i'm processing it outwardly instead of inwardly and you now know the six things on my to-do list and you're able to say let me take that one or we could do that one tomorrow you can kind of help me talk through it because i think a lot of times my personal anxiety and stress rides high because my to-do list and my thoughts stay very internal of all the things i need to get done whereas if i would just voice them to you i could see okay that's not that much and you now have heard what's on my mind and how you could respond to those things okay so husbands <laughs> i want i want to help you respond to that because I 100% agree with what you just said, but a husband who's unprepared for that is gonna feel like you just dumped a bunch of stuff on his plate, right? So- Are you? 
I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we fix stuff. Remember? Remember that whole fixing thing? When you sit the to-do list, right? So when you out, when you process out loud and you sit you, like it randomly in the kitchen and say something, you'll say something like, I need to, and then you'll rattle off stuff in your to-do list. Right. For you, what you just described is completely valid, which is you're externally processing because it was internal. And now by getting it out externally, it allows you to kind of, it's concrete now. It's more crystallized and you can take more of a, of a, of a, whatever, more of a, of a active approach to it. More of a, I guess, a, a, a logistical approach. Husbands hear that and it stresses them out because they think that you just gave them a to-do list or they think that you're, they think that you're like, I don't want to talk about this right now is how most of us tend to respond in those moments. So what I'm saying is an understanding for me, and I'll, I'll, you talk specifically about you being able to process things out loud. For me, what prevents me from doing that, what prevents me from being frustrated in those moments is recognizing that when you process out loud, it doesn't sit in your brain. And so it doesn't create anxiety. So in other words, you saying it out loud is it's, that's your way of dealing with it. And that's your way yeah. of processing through it. That's kind of my way to get it out. But I think I'm saying that because I think a lot of husbands, when they hear if like, if a wife does, if she just listened to this podcast, turns it off and says, Oh, here are the six things that have been really sitting here. Like if that's what yeah. she does, a bunch of husbands are going to look at you and look at, at me for doing this and think, awesome. Thanks for creating a situation where now I have to carry her baggage too. I got two responses to that. One, you agreed to marry her. And when you agree to marry her, the baggage is co-baggage. There's no individual and, and, and um, isolated baggage. But number two, what I want to hear, one, I want husbands to hear is by listening to that, by letting you say that out loud and processing it with you, we prevent the big, heavy, internal, you're constantly stressed, I can tell why, but you're not saying why, so you're just kind of mean and rude. That kind of thing that husbands are afraid of. Well, and I think it can create a positive bid for attention where I come to you and say, this is really stressing me out. And if you turn towards me and hear me and let me say it, then that just brings us closer. Whereas if you turn away from me and say like, oh, don't worry about that, or we can't do anything about it, that just creates this negative response for me. Yeah. And so in times like this where our schedules have changed, it's very stressful, there's a lot going on. I feel like the bids for attention are going to be a little bit more stress induced mm -hmm. and a way for oh, yeah. couples to kind of bounce that off of one another. Well, because in normal times, a bid for attention would be like, hey, what's on TV? Well, we know it's all coronavirus yeah. news. So <laughs> yeah. the bid and for old it, movies. Yeah. I did see that Hallmark was replaying the Christmas movies. No, not a chance. <laughs> um, so, by the way, this cultural moment is kind of one big giant bid for attention, isn't it? <laughs> we're home all the time and so basically every morning you're waking up with this opportunity to respond to a bid for attention all right so i want to shift gears just a little and the reason i wanted to shift gears just a little is i mentioned when i first started this um this episode i mentioned that my hope for this podcast is for it to be a family-based podcast where we can speak to family life i did not say marriage-based podcast i said family-based podcast um if you could, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the question, then I'll I'll give you a second to kind of ponder. I want you to speak from a mom's perspective on responding to bids for attention from your kids when when you don't necessarily <laughs> have, when you feel like they're yeah. bidding every well, second. Well, and when and when the bids are a little whiny and a little <laughs> extra and a little like okay, so I want yeah I, because listen I. I 
the way husbands and wives treat each other right now is going to be monumental in how your family feels at the end of this. Right. Uh, at some point, we're all going to be able to go back to work and we're going to be able to go back to the movies and back to restaurants. At some point, we're not going to be at home as much as we're at home right now. My question is, what's going to happen to your family at the end of this? Mm-hmm. And how you respond to each other's bids for attention every single day in the interim. So in these next seven to 10 days or or seven to 10 weeks, I don't know, but however you respond in those moments is going to determine where your family is at the end of this crisis. So I'm talking husbands and wives. Can you talk for, for just a minute on the perspective of a mom responding to bids for attention from kids? Well, I can definitely say the bids for attention are thrown more at the mom, even if dad is home. Yeah, I know that. I know that that's just their default setting is to shout mom when something happens, whether it's good or bad or someone's hurt or there's blood, they shout mom. Rarely will they they shout dad when they want me to see something cool or something stinky. (laughs) This is true. So right now, because kids are home more, there are more bids that are coming your way. And I will tell you that if you are not responding to those little bids for attention that says like, do you want a color or I'm bored or can you play with me? If as moms, we are not responding to those with turning towards our kids, those bids for attention are going to turn negative because negative attention is still attention. Absolutely. And so those little I'm bored, can you play with me will turn into bids in acting out. They will turn into talking back. There will be a lot of crying and whining because you will then need to come tend to their behavior or tend to their emotion. So they're going to get your attention one way or the other. It's up to us to sort of guide that train on which way we're going to go about it. And I'm not saying every time they say, well, you play with me, you have to drop your cooking and your laundry and everything and go play with them. But turn towards them, bend down, get on eye level and say, you know, that sounds like fun. Give me 10 minutes and I'll come in and play with you. Or you can set your stuff down and say, yes, let's go play for 10 minutes. Give them something that says, yes, I'm coming in this amount of time, or yes, let's go play for this amount of time. So that there's, there's almost an agreement that has been made of this is what we're doing. And what you'll find is those small moments to connect with your kids are going to be very positive and it's going to leave you leaving the situation feeling like, okay, this isn't that hard having the kids here. But if every bid is a negative bid for attention, you're going to want to throw them out the window by the time this quarantine is over. Well, so clinically, um, something that stands out to me, you said that you know every uh, any bid for attention, they, they want attention, the attention's the ultimate goal. Um, something that I have found to be to be certainly clinically true and I think true with our own kids as well and I, I want you to speak to this from the mom's perspective is if you're getting a lot of that naggy um, whiny kind of over-the-top extra bids where it's, it's the kind of bids for attention that are really frustrating they constantly need something I have found it to be true that the vast majority of the time rather than telling them to stop asking or sending sending them away the best way to alleviate that kind of constant bidding is to really fully engage for a short period of time because most often what they're telling you is uh, they need a connection with you they mm-hmm. need some time with you that's well, uh, that's my dad uh, dad man therapist perspective you tell me mom's I think, perspective. i think you're absolutely right and i will say just from our own experience with our own kids in my mind, I might be giving them my attention. Like, yes, let's play Legos, but I might have my phone, mm. so I'm answering a text. Yeah. And if I have distracted mm. 
the attention and diverted it to a phone, they see it. That's a turning. That's a type of turning away. And they're going to distracted. Act out. Yeah, they're going to act out on that. So yeah. I would encourage moms. I, I know you're missing your brunches and you're missing your friends. And so it's easier to go to Facebook and find the funny coronavirus meme or to find the, you know, to find that connection that you're missing. But you're going to make it harder for yourself right. if you don't give that devoted attention, not just to your kids, but also to your husband. Um, to really put the, put the social media connectedness in its place it's fine to use it but when you're trying to connect with your kids you're trying to connect with your husband i would encourage you to put the phone down Got put it. it in another room and really truly devote that time to them because that will fill up their cup so yeah. to speak on that on that bid that Absolutely. they've thrown at you well so um i want to mention one last area that we haven't really touched on in terms of families and bids for attention um you and i do not have teenagers at home um, however so that our listeners are clear I taught middle school and high school for almost 10 years yeah. um, before going a, into the therapeutic world and you. I have an early childhood degree and taught 6th, uh, 7th, and 8th grade for the most part for well over a decade. And, and when that was your wheelhouse. And middle I really school was your wheelhouse. Middle school. I like teenagers. I, I think they're hilarious. Well, I know and I do too, but, but I say that because I want to make sure that I'm pointing out, first of all, we need to speak to that demographic and second of all, um, I want to make sure that people understand that our perspective on this is not uninformed. Um, we've been in the trenches. You taught in a public school classroom at the middle school level for well over a decade, and mine came close. I taught everything from seventh grade up to seniors. Um, something that I want teenagers to understand, if you are listening to my voice, it means, first of all, your parents are probably making you. Uh, second of all, um, I want to make sure you understand that this conversation about responding to bids for attention applies to you as well. I'm going to make a statement regarding teenagers that may sound a little too bold, but I don't think that it is. I think if a teenager understands that how they respond to bids for attention from their parents is the single most impactful thing they can do for their parents. It will open up lines of communication. It will open up lines of good feelings. They'll feel like you're getting along. If they walk in a room and ask you a question, look at them, answer them in complete sentences, and maybe, I know it's gonna sound upper level, ask a follow-up question. And do it without your phone. Yes, put your phone down, put your screen down. If you will do that with your parents, you will be amazed that one little change will completely alter the way your parents feel about your relationship, the way they feel about you, the way they feel about conversations with you. You won't feel, they won't be afraid to ask you stuff, which by the way, if you haven't noticed this, for a lot of teenagers, parents are kind of hesitant to want to talk to you, not because they don't want to talk to you, but because they're fearful of what your response is going to be. Um, April, you having taught teenagers for as long as you did, what are your thoughts on that? I think that one of the things that we can do as parents right now is recognize that our kids are going to connect with each other through social media, whether it's Snapchat, TikTok, you know, Instagram, they're going to connect with each other a way that you can bridge that gap and you're seeing it with celebrities you're seeing you know hollywood do it is you're seeing these teenagers involve their parents in trying to learn these TikTok challenge dances and parents you're gonna have to put your pride aside a little bit and kind of like how when your kids were little you didn't really want to get down on the floor and play action figure i want to encourage parents to get involved with their 
kids' social media. That is they. That's how those teenagers play, quote unquote. That's right how they now. define their world. And if you go and kids allow teens allow them into that play, because your friends will love it if they see your mom trying to do the TikTok, you know, dance or whatever. Mm. And parents. Be okay. Did you say the TikTok the, dance? No, that may t- have been the challenge. oldest sentence ever said. Online. I don't know. If like you, the, if you're trying to do the TikTok dance on the tweeters, then I you don't gotta know, go. like the renegade or something. I'm trying to be. You know things I don't I do. know. I, I do know you're, things. You're better than me. I don't even. I don't even. But uh, what I'm saying is, for the parents, you know, don't just let the kids take their phones and go to their rooms for eight hours because that's what they're going to do. Go in and say. What are you doing? I want to learn it. Let's do that together. And kids, be willing to accept them. Yeah. Parents, be willing to look stupid on your kids' social media. Oh, sure. And because that is a way you can connect. And you and I have talked, Ryan, about that if you are laughing in a situation, you have nothing but good yep. dopamine feelings coming out. Yep. So even if it's on the look sacrifice you. yourself on look the at, altar of being. You. Look at you, dopamining. <laughs> looking stupid. I'm so proud. I'm so proud you're using dopamine in conversational language. That makes me happy. Thank you, um, Doctor. Okay, so I want to make sure that that we've kind of hit all of the uh, all of the bases here. Um, oh, oh, oh. Okay. So one thing that I was thinking as you were talking about, I was listening to everything. <laughs> right. You, were you weren't thinking about what you were about. Yeah. To no, say. I was listening to everything you were saying, and then was going to wait until after you said it to respond. Um, if you are if you are in a home where you went super digital in those first couple of days, so you and I we need let's, we'll be transparent about this. When we started the Corona break, um, Coronacation. Well, so I have a weird job. I work in therapy, but I work for a church, and things were moving quickly, and we had family in town at the same time, and so the, so our kids spent a little more time on their devices in those first day or first day or two probably right. than they normally would. If you are a family who to try and mitigate the stress of this transition, have kind of let the kids go go crazy on the devices. I, I'm, I'm sympathetic. Um, my heart goes out to you, I understand. But we don't know how much longer this is gonna last. Today is a good day to start peeling them off of it. As you and I are recording this podcast right now, ours are, we're in the church building. They're destroying They're the wiggle destroying room. destroying the wiggle room probably. <laughs> um, I, Keith, I'm sorry. Uh, actually, I guess probably Vicky is who we should apologize to yeah. for that. But but the point is, um, now is a good day to start pulling them off of that technology and to start getting them back into a normal human conversation. Well, and I know some moms have, because they know we homeschool, have reached out to say that they're stressed and what do they do. And I told them what another homeschool mom up here at church, Leslie Benson, told me when I was super stressed out at the beginning of this, which was do a little math, a little reading, a little writing, and a lot of play. Okay. Okay. And so to not, because this is temporary. This Uh, isn't forever. And I can can promise you they're not going to get behind. So uh, again, to give people an idea of why why I trust your judgment on this is not just because you're smart and because you're my wife and (laughs) because I have to say that. Uh, it's because you spent a long time in education. You were in the, in the curriculum world. You were in the uh, the, t- the classroom world. You were a technology facilitator on the uh, uh, at a at a public school and had multiple schools underneath you. You know your stuff when it comes to education. Um, you homeschool now. Can you give just a two minute uh, piece of advice uh, on how all of these moms? who did not sign up to be homeschool mothers, but who now are. Right. Um, can you talk for just a minute or two to those moms? Well, I know that, like, for example, Rockwall is pushing out their online learning next week. And so I think that understanding that the schools are going to support you. Um, they're going to try to provide as much support as they can. 
but that you are not having to do all of this by yourself and that I promise they are not going to suddenly forget how to add. They're not going to suddenly forget how to read. And so your job is to support your kids during this time and supporting them by just doing the little basics every day, a little bit of math, a little bit of reading, a little bit of writing. And that you have every minute of the day scheduled. No, and, and yeah. some moms, they have leaned into that, and it's great. If but it for, helps and if it works for you, great. But if it doesn't, don't feel like you're not doing it right. No, but the main thing that I've seen just from the year that we've homeschooled is that um, our kids learn way more just playing and playing with open-ended yep. toys like Play-Doh, Legos, yeah. things that are more open-ended that are creative. Um they learn so much in that, but little things like, you know, if you're needing to kind of hide some math, you can set up a pretend store where you're the cash register and you give them money and you label all their little toys with post-its like 25 cents, 50 cents, and then you have your math lesson or you can bake with them and you have a math lesson. Actually baking and cooking, that takes care oh, of reading of yeah. that ca- takes care of math and then when they're done you can have them write down a prediction of what they think it's going to taste like and that's writing and you've done you've done your due diligence for the day because like we said this is temporary they're not going to be home forever do you remember the time you gave our kids a bunch of ingredients and told them to just make a cake and they were just throwing stuff in the thing and then lincoln's turned out to be fantastic i know and they were like you should <laughs> eat that, it he had no idea what he was doing no but i remember that it was fantastic it was That's just random ingredients and we baked it and it was like that was actually good yeah. because we had to eat it but- all right so i want to take this conversation back um and kind of put a bow on it um we just it, it may sound to if you just followed this conversation it may sound like we dove into a couple of different areas that didn't really because we started with bids for attention and then we ended in talk about homeschool the reason that bids for attention the reason that bids for attention is applicable to everything we just talked about to make your family work right now you have to be open you have to have conversation about it for homeschool for how to homeschool kids for this type of of, of interaction to work you have to communicate within a family about how it's going to look. You have to talk to your kids. You have to talk to your husbands. You have to talk to your wives. All of that starts with bids for attention. So if you were wanting to change um, our kids' schedule, so if we hypothetically, if our kids had been in public school and then all this happened and changed, you would have to communicate to me what's happening and I would have to give you input and I would, mm-hmm. we would have to have this conversation together. But if you walk in the door and you say to me, Hey, do you have a second? That's a bid for attention. And if I turn away in that moment, the rest of the conversation can't happen. Mm-hmm. So everything we've talked about is built on one very simple platform. Respond the right way to those small bids for attention. And if you can do that, the big conversations are much easier. They're much more productive. If you can't do that, those big conversations never get off the ground. Well, and I think to speak to the scripture that you read, even just the first two is to try to the first two words you said about what love is is try as best you can to repeat in your mind when you get a bid for attention patient and kind patient Patient and kind kind. because sometimes you don't have to respond right then oh that's right sometimes a bid can be i know there's times where you've come and asked me something and it was a bid but i was in the middle of something else and patient and kind Mm -hmm was me saying, hey, I want to talk to you about that. If you can give me a minute to finish this, yes, I want to talk about that. Patient and kind can also be, be, be understood as patient and then kind. That's a perfectly fine way to, to apply that, that passage, I think, to your, your familial relationships. We want to be patient and kind, but sometimes we need to be patient and then kind mm-hmm. uh, because that gives us that gap. Um, I'm going to leave you with this. 
Uh, turning towards the people in your family, um, responding to small moments in an appropriate way. It, it gives them a message, and the message is, I hear you. I'm interested in you. I understand you. I'm on your side. It says, I want to help. I want to be with you. I accept you. I value you. It says that I love you. And if you don't start on that basic platform, it's so much more complicated to do the things that are going to be required of us over the course of the next few days, weeks, and months. And when things go back to normal, that truth will still be there. So I want to encourage you this morning to spend as much time as you need working on improving your bids for attention with your spouse. Um, I will commit to doing the same. Um, April, any will you? I will. I will absolutely commit to doing the same. April, any closing thoughts? No. Okay. Um, we will be releasing these as we get them done. And at the moment, I, I don't. I don't necessarily have a hard schedule for you. So we will send this one out as soon as possible, um, and then we'll take it from there. Uh, if you are with the East Ridge congregation, um, we're thinking about you. We're praying for you. Um, that applies to everybody, not just at the East Ridge congregation, but for those who are our personal church family. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again real soon.